We're kicking off 20, 2020. You realize we just wrapped up a whole decade, the first decade of the new millennium. Who? Second. 20 years. The second decade. Where was I the first decade? We're wrapping up two decades. Is Tupac dead? Some of you went, who's that? I grew grew up anyway. Totally different story. I'm excited you're here. I I do want to let you know we are kicking off uh, this new sermon series, I Like Giving, and I'm really excited about it. Today is going to be a little bit different. Um, 2019 was an absolutely unbelievable year uh, for this church, and I want to make sure we take a look at that. I want to let you know up front, I'm not the type of guy that looks back very often. I don't take time to do that, but I know uh, that we should do that every now and then. I'm the type of guy that it happened. Let's see, there's something else to do. Let's keep moving and, and you know, let it, let it, let it be. But uh, there's a reason to celebrate and we should do that. Amen. Also, one thing, January 27th, if you're a volunteer here in any capacity, uh, or you're interested in being a volunteer, January 27th, I know church is never mandatory. It should be. Um, church is never mandatory, and, and we never really say trainings are mandatory. But in light of what has happened recently, uh, just the latest news about uh, another church shooting, we are we're having a training here January 27th to address those specific things. We want to be the safest place we can possibly be. Amen? And so... Um, uh, we have uh, of, uh, professionals coming in to give us some insight uh, on the 27th. So if you're a volunteer here, please go ahead and mark that down your calendar. Uh, your ministry coordinator will be getting in touch with you. But I just want to make that uh, comment this morning and make sure that you had an invite. So the 27th, we will have child care uh, available at no at, uh, free. And so... Uh, we just think this is a, another step in making sure our facilities and our, our meetings are safe. Amen? So that's a good thing. So I appreciate everybody who's put that together. We're going to start out a little differently this morning. You're not going to stand right away and read, we're not going to read scripture. 2019, uh, last week I, I took an opportunity to look backwards and I like counting things. I like measuring things. I like comparing things and seeing, like, are, are we doing what we should be doing? Is it working? Is, is, is it happening? Uh, but I'm also quick to just be like, oh, that was last year. Not a big deal. Until I looked back. Because how many of you know that this time, one year ago, this building was not here? You realize that, don't you? So in light of that, let's talk about some things. So in 2019, I think the first thing we're going to talk about, 2019, I don't think we've ever baptized as many people. We baptized 60 people in 2019. Yeah. That's amazing. That's an amazing thing. The second thing I want to talk about is we, we talk about the gospel going far and wide. And uh, I'm old enough, I didn't grow up with the internet. I didn't grow up with cell phones. I didn't grow up texting people. I didn't, you know, we, we came to that later in life. 
And so the idea that somebody's downloading our service uh, in a podcast and listening to it somewhere else is still weird to me. I'll just be honest with you. We live stream our services every Sunday, but it still uh, takes me a little while to get used to it. So I went back and looked at those numbers. At the end of 2019, that year we had almost 23,000 podcast downloads. Yeah. So that covered 45 states, 45, and I'm like, what, what are the five states that didn't, come on, five states didn't download a podcast. Now that, that last number there, I actually sent a message to, to the guy that handles our website and said, I don't think this is real. And he started looking into it. There's some things that can skew those numbers. He started looking at it and he came back to me and said, no, it's real. 42 countries downloaded the podcast for this church. I went back before the service where they do the stream, where they do all the camera switching and do all the technical stuff. And there's guys running cameras and audio, all kinds of things happening. And I opened the door and I went, 42 countries. You're famous and you don't even know it. 42 countries far and wide. had no idea that was happening until I looked back this week. Something else that was amazing, I looked at, at Facebook statistics. We had 91, almost 92,000 minutes of video viewed uh, on our Facebook page this year. Yeah, that's like 65 solid days. Now, most of the video on Facebook is, is the service, is the sermon. And so uh, almost 65 solid days of of uh, video watching. I pray those people get a job this year. I pray they... That was a joke. Average attendance since we moved in this building uh, was 515 people over three services. That's up 20% from 2018. A more impressive number than that is we we had 175 active volunteers in 2019. We were talking in the first service. You realize 10 years ago, we didn't have that many people coming to our church. And we counted kids and, and rats. If it moved, you were like, you're part of the church. We're counting you. So we had 140 people total 10 years ago. And this past year, we had over 175 volunteers, on, just volunteers. That's a 23% increase from 2018. If you know me, you know this is... Uh, dear to my heart, I believe everybody should hear the gospel, not just Americans. I believe everybody should have the opportunity to hear the gospel. And so missions efforts uh, in 2019, you gave almost $81,000 to make sure the gospel goes forward. That's crazy. That's up 20% from 2018. And what I didn't tell you was in 2018, I got a, uh, we're part of the Assemblies of God and the, the general secretary of the Assemblies of God sent a letter to me in 20, the last year to say that we were 45%, we gave 45% more than 2017. So over those last two years, it was a, a, a ton more money given to missions. So we had 17 people going on a missions trip to Spain. We supported things here 
uh, in the United States, like Life on the Verge, Mark and Susan Mason, which, which are just a part of this church. We supported Beauty for Ashes, Mike and Cindy Zello down in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which many of you are familiar with them. The Bethany House in Martinsburg, Kids Turn, which is, which is part of our family here at Hedgesville or Hope Community Church. I just went back a decade. The Master's Closet, Randy and Dana Rodriguez, that do a wonderful job um, just supporting uh, people with clothing and furniture. And then Chi Alpha, uh, which is a um, college fraternity that uh, my, my kids are a part of at WVU. Those are things in-house. And then we, we send people and funds to 17, we send people or funds to 17 countries around the world this year. That's amazing. That's crazy. We had, for the first time last year, we had three seasons of connect groups. We had 35 groups in all over those three seasons. And if you add up all the attendance between those three seasons, about almost 600 people uh, meeting together throughout the week, growing and learning, supporting each other. So just a plug for connect groups, this, you can sign up. Like Skip said, you can, you can sign up now. I highly encourage you to do that. Some of them have already filled up, but, but there's more than likely there's one near you on a date that you can attend. I'm going to just run down through a list. We've got one online. So if you just want to lay around the house, Chantel Charette leads the online connect group, which we've had for two years now. Uh, Jamie and Lynn Yates are leading a connect group. Mary Daniels leads our seniors connect group. Skip and Donna Euler up in Berkeley Springs leading a connect group. Cody and Kristen Euler. Jeremy and Courtney Rodriguez. Kelly and Jessica Cody. Mark and Tammy Davis. Nathan and Rachel Devers. Adam and Emily Lee. Sam and Laura Lucher. And Patrick and Rachel Burke. There's a connect group that you fit in. Trust me. Those are all ages and all demographics and all areas. Just find a connect group to get plugged into. It is worth your time. Did I mention that this time last year we were not in this building? Did I mention that? We started framing this building October of 2018. And we moved in April 14th of 2019. That was roughly about six and a half months. I have yet to run into another pastor that went, oh yeah, we did that. 85, 90% of the work was done by you. You framed the building. You hung the lights. You, you painted. You, you did the majority of the work. And it happened in a record amount of time. We got in a week before we were expecting to get in. I have never run into anybody, any contractor, that is, I always get people in a week before. I can remember standing right out there in the foyer and it was on Saturday before the Sunday we were opening up. It was April 13th, my birthday. In case any of you want to write that down. <laughs> April 13th. We were standing in the foyer doing the last minute frenzy of cleanup. We had had an inspection that Tuesday for, for our final inspection and Pastor Don walked in with an envelope from Berkeley County Engineering and he handed it to me and I was like... What's that? I opened it up. It was the occupancy permit already. I had a bunch of contractor friends around me and they just sneered at me. They were like, how did you get that? I've never gotten one that fast. I said, I don't know. 
I think they mailed it before they came out. It was absolutely remarkable. It was unheard of what happened. I don't care how big the congregation, how small the congregation, what happened here was an absolute miracle of God. We borrowed $120,000 less than we were approved for, saving us about $600 a month on the mortgage. Our electric bill is lower than we were, than we were thinking. Everything worked out better than we thought possible. Amen. Because of that, the beginning of this year, 2020, we're going to put, we're at the beginning of the year, $24,000 additional towards the principal of that mortgage. And we're going to be paying that down. Amen. Here's the fascinating part. If you were in the leadership circle at the beginning of 2017, you would hear me say some absurd things now that I see these numbers. I wish I could stand here and tell you that I was a man of faith and, and, I, and I was like, man, God's going to provide all this stuff. <laughs> I remember looking at the gentleman on our board and saying, if we could raise, and I could tell you the amount because it was stupid low. I think we could pull it off. If we could get this type of commitment, I think we could pull it off. We, are, we, we need to do this. So we started the capital campaign in the middle of 2017. So from the middle of 2017 to the, to the end of 2019, that total number ended up being $475,000. That's crazy. That's crazy. Just to give you scale, 10 years ago, the church budget was half of that was half of that. And so now I got his blessing. And you know what I've never heard? Nobody to date has walked up to me and said, Pastor Chris, I like the new building, but I'm really regretting giving money towards it. I shouldn't have done that. Like God, nothing good has happened in my life since then. It's been awful. Nobody has said that because with the seed you sow, Come on. He says that he will guarantee that you have enough to continue to be generous. Amen. These are exciting things that have happened in a lot of ways this past year was a year that seems unrepeatable. Like there's no chance we could pull that off again. And people have asked me, do you even want to do something like that again? I'm like, not right away. But yes. Because we serve a God who is not confined by what he did last year. Nobody ever looked at God and said, I don't know how you're going to top that. Because his capabilities and possibilities are infinite. And so he's only limited by our amount of trust we can put in him. He's only limited by the amount of faith we can turn towards him. So I don't know about you, but I'm trusting that 2020 will look back and say, can you believe just that 2019 was like such a little thing that God could do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or think in this coming year. Amen. So I want to talk that way this morning. Are you ready? Say amen. If you're ready, stand to your feet. Joshua chapter one, Joshua chapter one. 
It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. I wish they would have given him a better title than that, like executive assistant. He's just the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised. From the wilderness to this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun. What if you looked at your kids, man, I own all the way to where the sun goes down. Man, you got to have a big lawnmower for that. All the way till the sun goes down shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and, and then you will have good success. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, we thank you this morning, God. Lord, what you allowed us to accomplish through your strength and your power last year was remarkable. But Lord, the promise is bigger than one year. The promise is bigger than one building. The promise is bigger than one season, Lord. We pray, God, for for an enlarged vision of what you would have us do. A bigger promise. We thank you, God, that you brought us this far. But Lord, we are anticipating far greater. Lord, we pray that you take this word to us this morning and transform our minds and our hearts with it and in turn transform what we do for your glory. And it's in your mighty name, the name of Jesus, the king above all kings that we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Look at your neighbor and say, you're probably not thinking big enough. Just tell them that you're probably not thinking big enough. Look back at your neighbor and say, you don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> Joshua is following someone that is almost unable to be followed. You ever been in that position where the boss before you was just a, the hero of heroes? Did it better than anybody else and then you had to come up behind him? Joshua was following Moses. Moses was the original leader when God decided it was time to bring Israel, the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity. So God had called at that time a reluctant Moses to do that. Moses had the background. Moses had grew up, as you know, by the cartoon, the Prince of Egypt. And he knew the inner workings of how things worked and he had been exiled himself. Uh, through a series of events after he learned that he was uh, a Hebrew. And so time goes by on the backside of the desert. 
God approaches Moses. Moses is reluctant, but Moses acquiesces and agrees to do what God has called him to do. So now fast forward, Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt. They disobey God pretty quickly after they leave. God wanted to give them the promised land early, but they refused to go in and take possession of it. That should be a lesson to you. Don't wait too long to take what God has already given you. What are you waiting on? So they wander around in the wilderness as punishment for 40 years. God literally is waiting on a whole generation of unfaithful people to die. Moses is leading them during that time. And Moses has an act of disobedience himself that will keep him from entering the promised land. But God does, God does Moses a solid by letting him go up on a mountain and see all the land that he's about to give the Israelites. So he walks Moses up on top of the mountain. Moses sees the great inheritance that God had promised them and they will eventually take hold of. And then Moses dies. We pick up in Joshua chapter one with now God talking to Joshua saying, hey, listen, you're the man. Now, could you imagine a little bit of inferiority complex with Joshua? He's following Moses. Moses had like a stick that he could do tricks with. Moses could hit things and water would come out of him. Moses could raise things up and Moses could do all these kinds of things. And here's Joshua that was always standing in the shadow of Moses. Now, now projected onto the stage as the guy that has to follow Moses. So you can see there might be a little, uh, might be a little timidity coming to him to say, ah, ah, ah. So what you see in this first chapter, in these verses, God going, hey, you got this, you got this, you got this, you got this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Here's some things, really important things. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And I think if we were in the same boat, we'd want to hear the same thing. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But the more important thing is that he re-solidifies his promise to Joshua. He doesn't say that was a promise for Moses. I'm not sure you're capable of doing it. No, he says the same promise that I promised Moses. Now you're going to take hold of. Wouldn't that be exciting? He says crazy stuff like everywhere that you step, I'll give you. I don't run. I, I like to walk at a good constant pace. I don't like people that walk slow. Studies have said people that walk slow die quicker true story. I like to get where I'm going, but I think running shows a lack of patience. So I don't run. It's physically tiring. But if God told me that I could have every place that I put my foot on, I think I'd take up jogging. I think I'd get up in the morning at five o'clock and say, where are you going? I'm going to get more territory. I'll be back at night. I'm going to run three miles. (laughs) I've kind of been the walk run phase of my life. If you know what that looks like, like you think you're doing real well. You're like, Oh man, I'm going to kill it today. Well, nobody's looking. I think I walk a little bit. (laughs) Then you see your neighbor and you're like, ah, why do you have to live around fit people? This is weird. Anybody ever been cursed with that? I have a neighbor that runs pushing the stroller and I'm like, I don't know what the purpose of that. My kids are 20. 
not, it's not apples to apples. I can't push my kid in a stroller anymore. Can I, can I point out a couple things about this? The Israelites are coming out of a phase where they had been wandering around for 40 years. And it wasn't a giant swath of land they had been wandering around in. And now God has brought them to the place where he's telling Joshua, take it. Stop wandering around. Now I want you to take it. And, and in a crowd this size, I can imagine there's people right now who feel like I've been running, wandering around for the last five years, last 10 years. It's just been, it just seems like pointless. I'm going to work. I'm coming home. And it just doesn't seem like it, it's just not adding up. It just seems like I'm just walking around, walking around. And, it, and, and I'm, I'm having success in some areas. And, 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 but it just doesn't all click together. I want to say I believe this year is the year God says, okay, now take it. Stop wandering around for no purpose. Stop just, stop just trying to do these little things that aren't connecting and I, I can't make any sense out of them. God wants to give you a promise this morning that gives you purpose in your life and you can wake up in the morning and go, okay, you know what? I know what it all means now. I know, I know, I know what we have to do. I know God's given me direction how to do it, why to do it. The purpose is clear. And so now everything makes sense because here's the problem. Even the promised land has a place called Jericho. Now, if you keep reading the story, you'll realize, whoo, God told me he'd give me every place I step my foot. Could you imagine jogging the first day and running into a whole city of people where the walls are 12 foot thick and way higher than you can see over? And they don't want you there. There's nowhere in scripture where Jericho was like, we're so, so happy that the Israelites are coming to overtake us. Can you believe it? Matter of fact, there's this very scenario that caused 40 years earlier people to turn away and not take the promise of God. Can I say to somebody very clearly, if you can't understand the purpose that God has for you, the promise that he has for you, when you get to the first hurdle, you'll turn around and come back. And what I see is so many people, the promise of God is on them and they settle for wondering because it's just a little easier. I can wake up every morning and get a fast food breakfast and I could just do the same thing, do the same thing, do the same thing. But God created you to take hold of things. God never created the Israelites to walk around pointlessly. He always told them, go all the way back to Abraham at the beginning. I'm sure Abraham would have been like, dude, I'm good with 12 kids. I don't, I mean, how crazy. I don't need to be the Duggars. He told Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the sand on the seashore. I don't know anybody's ever counted that. God's promise to Abraham was bigger than his mind could even fathom. And yet he was waiting on a time to take hold of it. And in order to have descendants as numerous as that, you need to have some place to put them. So God never intended for them to walk around wondering for the rest of their lives. No, he wanted them to take hold of a promise that he had put in place long before they ever got there. So so what I know is that God, the God of all eternity, put the promise in place for you to fulfill. 
So if 2019 was the year of wondering for you, make a determination right now. I'm taking hold of the land. I'm taking hold of the promise. And I know that when I walk past the borders, there is going to be a Jericho. There are going to be Hittites there. There are going to be all kinds of tights there that we got to overcome. Please, Lord, let there be a year where we don't have to overcome tights anymore. As soon as you think those spandex things are gone, they pop back up. I want to challenge you this year to get a God-sized promise. It struck me that God didn't say, hey, this is a little teeny piece of land. that He said, wherever you put your foot, all the way to where the sun goes down. Take it all. It's what I've given you. Do you know how often we poor mouth God? Lord, well, I just want, if you could do this one little thing for me. Lord, I don't, if you just want this one little thing. Just this one little thing. Lord, I don't want to be, and you know, I just. When do we stop dreaming about God's capability? God never went to anybody in scripture and went, hey, listen, I'm only going to do one little teeny thing for you. Don't start thinking big. Don't start asking a bunch of questions. Just this one little teeny thing. No, his, his goal was always bigger than we could ever think or imagine. His, his purpose for us was always bigger than our capability to comprehend. His purpose was always bigger than the trial that you're walking through today. That's why Paul could say these light and momentary sufferings do not compare with the glory that will be revealed. He understood that everything was working towards the purpose of him taking hold of the promise that God had put in his life. And so we've got to take hold of the promise. And the promise has to be the thing that, that pushes us into where he wants us to be. No, no, no. I know there's going to be a Jericho. I know there's going to be a fight as soon as we get in. But I can do that because he told me, he promised me that it all be mine. He promised me. Why am I going to try anymore with this relationship? Because he promised Because you can't take a hold of anything without a fight. He promised. So now the struggle has purpose to it. Now the pain has purpose. Now now everything that when you were wandering around had no purpose whatsoever. Now it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Lord, we're just wandering around. Why is this happening? I don't understand. Nothing makes any sense. Now all of a sudden everything makes sense. Wouldn't you like it to wake up in the morning and your life makes sense? Just that. You wake up in the morning and you say, you know what? Might not get it all right today, but I know what God wants me to do. I know he's got a purpose for my life. I know he's got a promise hanging over me that he wants me to take hold of. And I'm not going to shortchange him anymore. I'm not going to ask for anything little anymore. I'm not gonna, If I could just, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or imagine. All you could ever ask or imagine. Way beyond that. We're in the habit of treating God like we treat people. We pray like we talk to the people around us. We say, hey, I don't, I don't want to ask too much. And that translates into our conversation. I don't want to ask too much. And he's like, I've always wanted you to ask for too much. He looks at 
Joshua says, every place you walk, I'll give you. Can you fathom that? Every place you walk, I'll give you. Every place you walk, I'll give you. Every place you walk. And I'm not advocating you get up tomorrow morning and start walking around your neighbor's yard because their house is bigger than yours. (laughs) But I would advocate that you walk around your neighborhood so that everybody in that neighborhood ends up knowing Christ. Because probably beyond what you've been thinking lately. He said, I'll give you every place you step your foot. So now, now when you walk jog in the morning, now it's got a purpose. Because now, Lord, everywhere I step my foot, I'm taking hold of the promise that you gave years ago. And we're going to take this land. Symbolically. Is it possible that the promise of God is bigger than what you're currently chasing? I know if you're normal, you're chasing a better job. I know if you're normal, you're chasing a better relationship. I know if you're normal, you're chasing uh, better pay, more time to do your hobby. What if the promise of God is bigger than all that together? What if the promise of God, what the struggle you're walking through right now has a bigger purpose than what you realize? It's not wondering. What if, what if, it, what if it's part of the promise? What if, what if where you're at right now is part of entering the promised land? I'm praying that God would reignite something he's put in you already this year at the beginning. That there would be no more wondering. There would be no more aimlessly walking around. There'd be no more days where you're just like, ah. But you wake up in the morning full of energy, not because you ate protein bars, but because the Holy Spirit is in you giving you purpose and you recognize the call of God on your life and you recognize the purpose of God and the promise of God on your life and you go, you know what? Good or bad, today does matter. Good or bad, today will happen and I will move forward and I will take more property. Amen? The days of wondering are over. The next thing is the promise requires only what you have, not what you don't have. Look at your neighbor and say, he just said I have enough. Look at your neighbor and say, he just said I have enough. No, no, don't, 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 misinter- don't misinterpret this. I want all of you to be rich. Genuinely. I want all of you to make more money. I want all of you to be financially independent. I want, we teach, we teach financial peace classes here throughout the year. I want, I want, I don't want any of you to have debt. I want you to have discretionary income that you're like, I don't even know what to do with it. Everybody's like, what is he even talking about? But I don't want you to wait on that to do what God wants you to do now. You know, you know what I refuse to say? I refuse to say this. And, and I, I live around people that say it. Not in my immediate family. Make that clarification. Some of them are here this morning. <laughs> if I had this, I would do that. That is not in my vocabulary. When I hear it, I just got, ah. If I had this, I would do that. And it's almost like, you know, so you go to somebody's house and you see some, some, somebody else has. And man, if I had that, ooh, if I could afford that, if I could afford that, man, if I could afford to take a vacation, I'd take a vacation. 
That doesn't even make any sense. Of course you would take a vacation if you could afford to take a vacation. Well, if I could afford... Let me help you out with something. Say it this way in 2020. Because I have this, I will do that. You got to start looking at what you have differently. All throughout scripture, God always picked people that didn't have enough to do what he called them to do. And he equipped them to do it anyway. The guy that was the most likely candidate to succeed, King Saul, the Bible says he was handsome and a head taller than everybody in Israel. They wanted a king. So God says, I'll give you a king that you like looking at. He was an abject failure. Everybody after that, they were like, ah, we'll see what happens. You look at Gideon, you look at David, they called him ruddy. His dad didn't even remember he was around when, when Samuel came to anoint him. And he, Samuel said, do you have any other kids that I could look at? Because I know God sent me here to anoint somebody as king. He said, well, I mean, there's the little one. I don't know if he's king material. Matter of fact, he's out with the sheep. We're bringing him here. Matter of fact, that's the one. Gideon, God talks to him and judges. He says, hey, great warrior. I think that's what he called him. Gideon's like, I don't know. That guy left. I don't even know who you're talking about. Over and over again in scripture, he picks people. When he goes to Moses, he says, you're going to do this. Moses says, I can't do this. I can't even talk. He always asks people to do things that they don't think they're equipped to do. And he always asks them to do it with what they currently have. He never says, he didn't say to Joshua, hey, I want you to wait six months. I want you to go get this, 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 and this. He says, no, we're doing it. With what you have, with the people you have, with the resources you have, and with the faith you have right now. So stop saying, if I had that, I would do this. And start saying, because I have this, I will do that. Start speaking faith. Because if you don't offer it up, God can't multiply it. God doesn't multiply what you don't have yet. He doesn't go, you don't go, God, I wish I had that. He goes, well, I'm going to just make it bigger. You're not going to get it. No, it's the act of offering him up in obedience what we currently have. So, Lord, this is what I have, and I'm going to do this with it. And he goes, oh, I can bless that. I can multiply that. I can do things with that nobody ever thought we could do. As long as you walk around the mentality, man, if I, if I had more, I'd do more. If I, did, if I did this, if I did that, if I did this. Could it be in 2020 that there's a group of people in this room right now that just decides to go, God, I'm going to dare you to do that. Here's what I've got currently, and here's how I'm going to bring glory to you with it, and I dare you to multiply it. Because I'm going to buy a bass boat I can take. Hmm. <laughs> You see him do it over and over and over again. Look at Joshua and those people. Joshua's just that. He doesn't even get a a warm-up period. He steps right into leadership, right behind Moses. God says, you're ready. Let's do it. You got enough. Let's do it. You got enough resources. You got enough people. Yeah. Can I let you in on something? Here's a little secret. It's actually never about what you have. (laughs) It's actually never about what you have. It's about this little thing that God told Joshua. He kept saying to him, don't be afraid. I'm with you. 
Don't be afraid. I'm with you. So the issue is any time in my life that I think I'm lacking, I'm actually saying God's presence with me isn't enough to overcome whatever it is that I'm walking through. Every time when I look up to God and I say, God, I, I need something else. I need something else. I need something else. I'm actually communicating to him. You're not enough. Because he's telling Joshua, what you have currently is enough to defeat everybody that's currently in this land because I'm with you, not because you have too much. So I want to let you know right now, whatever you have right now, whatever talent, ability, whatever resources you have, it's enough to do what God calls you, called you to do. Not because it's enough, but because he's enough. Amen? And so he doesn't say you're going to be fine. He says, don't be afraid because I'm with you. This is not about you, Joshua. This is about you obeying me and me making it happen. That's a totally different scenario. So now I can wake up every morning and say, Lord, this is what I have. I'm going to do what you want me to with it. But I just talk about finances. Well, how about saying something nice to somebody? You have a tongue. Use it for good. Stop saying what you think. Let's just start there in 2020. I'm going to be honest. No. Don't do that. Be nice. Encourage somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to see a change in me. I'm going to encourage you. Now look back and go, we'll see about that. It happens in relationships because we do it like this. If they would do this, I would say nicer things. Oh, you're still waiting on something you don't have to give what you do have. Stop it. Let 2020 be the year that you take what you already have and give it up to God. It's not about whether that person responds the right way. It's about what God commanded us to do. Amen. Well, I'll give her a compliment when she stops burning my macaroni. It ain't never going to happen. It ain't never going to happen. Just give her a compliment every now and then. Ladies, I thought you were going to help me out there. I was just, you were sore about the burnt macaroni. I don't know know if that's true or not. The promise requires what you have, not what you don't have. The last thing really quickly, obedience is the key. What has he asked you to do with what you've been given? It's simple. Just do it. The difference between what Joshua did and what Moses did is Joshua said, all right, he told us to do it. Now we're doing it. Moses sent a bunch of spies in. When they came back, everybody was like, I'm not sure. And he went, well, I don't know either. We better not. And God was like, I can't deal with disobedience. I told you to go and take it. I already promised it to you. It's yours. And now you're reluctant to take it. What has he asked you to do with what you've been given? Obey him. Be strong and very courageous. He said, be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commands you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left hand that you may have good success wherever you go. Obedience precedes success every time. If you want God to bless your life, do what he asks you to do. Don't wait on something else to happen. Just do it. Let 2020 be the mark of you doing what God asks you to do. It'll give you the promise God promised you. There's a thing happened that, that happened in churches years ago, and it's, it trickles into things nowadays too. It's called the name it and claim it movement. Anybody 
Remember that? Like in Jesus name, I want that diamond ring. Name and claim it. You know why people like naming and claim it? Because name it and take the territory is harder than naming and claiming. And so the name and claim it produced a generation of people that didn't think they had to walk into the territory to own it. So we sit around our houses and we binge watch Netflix all the time asking God and claiming that we have the promise of God on our lives when he said, I need you to get up and actually walk into the promised land. I need you to actually get up and do with what I gave you. I need you to actually get up and be obedient, not just claim something and then do nothing to affect the change in your life. God is not a pixie dust uh, creator that is hanging from your ceiling fan and every time you walk in your, flip the light on, it just hits you and you're like, oh, everything in my life is perfect now and I've got glitter all over my face. That's not how it works. He says the promises in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. But Jesus said, if you love me, do what I've asked you to do. Because the promise is tied up in taking what you have currently, what he's given you, and pushing it towards into the promised land and saying, you know what? We're doing what you asked us to do, Lord. Let the promise be true. One generation wandered around because they wouldn't take it. Another generation walked straight in. 2020, I want us to be the people that walk straight in. Walk straight in. Walk straight in. Lord, this is what I got. I'm going to start walking. I'm going to start walking. This is what I got. I'm going to start walking. I'm going to walk right into it. Stand to your feet. I'm going to give you a couple things we're going to walk into really quick. Here are some of the things I believe we're supposed to be obedient in this year as a church. We're going to take possession of a promise this year. We've talked for years that we need more, better churches. We've talked for years about being able to build a building where we could get to critical mass and, and we could send people to another area to start a church. So I mark my words, in 2020, we will launch another campus from Hope Community Church. In 2020, there's a group of people that will be getting together to decide where the campuses beyond that will be. Amen. That's so awesome because first service is like four people. I'm like, we'll start a church with four people if that's all want to go. They're like, oh, that's a, why are you doing? We gave 80, almost $81,000 towards missions this year in the form of support all over the world and, and trips. Next year, we budgeted to give $127,000 to advance to the gospel around the world. That's going to come and increase support for missionaries around the world. It's also going to come, we're going to do four missions trips next year. You are going to take four missions trips next year to support all over, in the United States and all over the world. We're going to train like never before. The Bible calls, said the role of a pastor is equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And we want a church that's active in the, in the community and around taking territory for the gospel, changing people's lives with the power of the gospel. Amen. We're going to encourage every person this year in 2020 to jump into the promise of God for their lives. No more wondering. 
No more wandering around aimlessly. It's time to jump into the promise of God for your life. Do you believe that today? Come on, let's pray together. Father, we thank you. God, you put a promise on every single person in this room. I don't care if it's their first time walking into a church building, the first time they've heard about it. You put a promise on their life through Christ. Today, we ask you to make that real. We ask you to put an urgency on us, Lord. We can't sit outside the land anymore. You've asked us to walk in and take the territory. And so we pray our communities here, Lord, we pray our communities around this this country. Lord, we pray the communities that you promised us around this globe. God, we pray that 2020 would mark another year that we are walking into it, Lord. No wondering, no aimless walk. God, you've called us to walk right into the land you promised us. And so we pray, Lord, that you give us courage. You give us faith that you've equipped us. And Lord, never let us forget that ultimately you are with us and you will give us success wherever we go. God, put your anointing on everybody in the building. Call us out to do something God-sized this year, Lord. We thank you for it, and we are looking forward to it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church, give him praise and honor. He's good. Amen.